Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thanks so much for joining us here on this Monday evening. So yesterday, President Trump tweeted out what was then some breaking news about the China trade negotiations because there's concern that they're trying to sort of renegotiate things that have already been agreed upon. For example, how much energy and ag products they're going to ultimately buy from us. So a few things to notice. I'm going to, I'm going to read these tweets for you here in just a moment. But right now, President Trump, we all know he's playing the art of the deal. This is his gig. We've got a Chinese delegation coming into D.C. this week. The vice premier will be here. Also, as we've seen, the U.S. economy booming, winning, huge numbers that we saw last Friday with unemployment, wages, all those kind of things. So Trump feels like, hey, I'm in a position of power right now. And the other thing that's important to know, we're going to talk about this uh, in a minute here with Director uh, Wilson, but also, many of you know that China essentially runs North Korea. So I want to lay this out for you, and you can connect the dots. But recently, Russian President Putin was a guest of honor in China, spoke at a big event for them. Shortly after that event, North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un was in Russia to meet with Putin. And then, just a couple of days later, Chairman Kim, for the first time in a very, very long time, this was over the weekend, shot off some short-term missiles or projectiles. So clearly... Something was being communicated to Chairman Kim behind the scenes that he said, eh, you know what? I feel pretty good about shooting off some of these uh, short-term missiles right now. So that's some context for what President Trump tweeted out yesterday when he said this about the China trade negotiations. He said, for 10 months, China's been paying tariffs to the USA, 25% on $50 billion of high-tech and 10% on $200 billion of other goods. These payments are partially responsible for our great economic results. The 10% is going to go up to 25% on Friday. $325 billion of additional goods sent to us by China remain untaxed, but will be shortly at a rate of 25%. The tariffs paid to the USA have had little impact on product costs, mostly borne by China. The trade deal with China continues, but too slowly. That's the key term there. But too slowly as they attempt to renegotiate no exclamation point. This sent shockwaves through the markets last night, initially today, but then they came back. Because you want to remember that these tariffs that President Trump tweeted out over the weekend are pretty much the same tariffs he said he was going to put on China as of March 1st. Then he delayed that deadline because they thought a deal was coming close. In fact, to the point where uh, the night before I interviewed President Trump, which was March 4th, it was at the White House for the big Bison event, but the night before that, the Wall Street Journal actually put out a piece saying, hey, there's going to be this big summit. It's going to be down at Mar-a-Lago. It'll be on March 27th with President Trump and President Xi. That's why President Trump goes, wait, this is taking way too long now. But I asked President Trump about that back on March 4th at the White House. Here's what he had to say. News. Let's start with the big news about the U.S.-China trade deal. The Wall Street Journal said last night deal could be done. You could have a signing summit on March 27th. What will this deal ultimately mean for our farmers back in the heartland? Well, it's moving along really well, and the farmers are being taken care of like they've never been taken care of before. You see that already happening. I guess the 10 million tons of soybean was just ordered even before we do the deal, uh, some number like that. I don't want to get it totally because they just gave it to me uh, about a week ago, but they said as of almost immediately uh, that China's going to be buying more than they ever bought for us from us and our farmers are taken care of. The farmer is always a number one priority for me and it has been from day one and they stuck with me. Now we'll see what happens with the deal, whether it happens or not, the farmer's gonna be in great shape, but if it happens, 
uh, a big, big boost to our farmers, uh, I think beyond anything that they've ever had before. So you can see there, he seemed hopeful, but didn't want to get ahead of his skis. And I bring this up because also Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue was in town, I think it was just a couple Saturdays ago. But he said this about how China negotiates. China's Chinese are great negotiators, and they get you right up there to the, to the feed trough and take the bucket away. They get you salivating and just kind of jerk it back or have other contingencies. So it's never over till it's over. And I think that's why you see President Trump going, hey, you guys want to come in town? Let's do the art of the deal. Let's get this thing figured out sooner rather than later. Because, of course, President Trump is concerned about 2020 as well. One other thing interesting to note, when Secretary Purdue was in town, <clears throat> remember, he extended the market utilization program. That was to help farmers with the trade deals and the low prices, as we've heard about many times before. But one of the things that Secretary Purdue said is, hey, look, we did this last year. Don't expect us to do another market utilization or trade program this upcoming year. Well, I reached out to Senator Hoven uh, earlier to get a statement from him about President Trump's tweets and the tariffs. And I'm going to share with you part of a statement. He said this. He goes, hey, if China continues to delay negotiations, I've already begun advocating for another round, a second round of market facilitation payments for our farmers and secured a commitment from Ambassador Lighthizer to set up a product exclusion process for our manufacturers. So keep an eye on that. And if there's any progress there, especially if this uh, China trade negotiation continues to delay. So earlier today, I sat down with the executive director of the North Dakota Trade Office, Simon Wilson, to get his take on these tweets and these tariffs. Director Wilson, welcome to Point of View. It's great to have you in studio, sir. President Trump tweets out yesterday he's going to be raising the tariffs up to 25%. Now, we sort of anticipated this a while ago. He did put it off, though, for the March 1st deadline. But your initial reaction when you saw policy via tweet? Well, I think it's, it was a little difficult. You know, it was we were hoping that there was going to be uh, some end to this and a little bit of more of it coming together. Uh, it looks like there's a little more negotiations that still have to occur. But that, that was my, I think, my ultimate question. How much of this really is just art of the deal? The vice premier of China is coming into town this week. They're going to be bringing a delegation in. It's been sounding like really for quite some time we're close to a deal. Maybe we are, maybe we aren't. But how much of this was just, okay, guys, economy's here is good. We just saw good, you know, unemployment numbers. Let's play games. Well, you're never going to know exactly, <laughs> right? Uh, we don't sit in the room. But what we feel when we really look and, and believe is this, they're, they're getting close. There's probably some real sticking points, and this may be the, the need to push this a little bit more, is to, to say we need to get off of talking the same thing for the last month or two, and let's, let's move forward. You and I just met, so I don't know your foreign policy chops. I don't want to sit here and tout my own, but I want to throw something at you that I think is a theory. What's, what's interesting to me is this, is we all know that China runs North Korea, right? And so there's been these conversations with North Korea and Trump. Well, recently, Putin was in China as the, sort of the premier speaker, if you will. Uh, then... Kim Jong-un, Chairman Kim, goes to Russia, and then shortly after that is back in North Korea and fires off these short-term or you know projectiles, which he hasn't done for months and months and mm -hmm. months. Yep. My hallucination is China is obviously talking to him with some kind of conversation. I don't know what that is. How much of this, though, is Trump going, oh, okay, China, you're going to let him 
you know, fire those things off. Here we go. Yeah, I don't know if it's an hallucination. I think there's probably a little bit to it. Everything's connected. If everything exactly. is that we're listening to and you hear and, and what we see a lot and we feel here at the trade office, people are really seeing how connected the world is. You know, these leaders, there's geopolitical issues going along. These trade issues follow those and, and, and are part of it. So uh, I think there's a little bit of, of, at least, if not exactly, there's probably something to that as well, too, that there's a little bit in that, that, that story. So is this news hit the news cycle today where you're phone lines melting at the trade office? Yeah, or? there's a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot of people saying, what happened? We thought this was going to get done and, and goes on. And, and it's, unfortunately, it's, it's patience, right? Trade deals are years in the making. And this one, it's probably been a year of discussion. It's not going to end. Even if there was a deal, there still was going to be a long period of implementation, further discussions, further pieces. So unfortunately, it doesn't look like a Friday that, that a lot of the news was reporting <laughs> last week. But maybe in the next couple of weeks, they can really come together, at least with that initial start. And then let's uh, take it further as it goes. And that was my question, because I know Senator Hovind, we had Secretary Purdue in town, was, hey, look, it's one thing for us to get a deal done, but we still need sales. We still need to make some sales. China has said we're going to buy a ton of energy and a ton of ag products. They still, as far as I know, haven't followed through on that. Has there been any new sales? Not a lot. No, there, there hasn't been a lot or, or big, big substantial ones. I think they either were holding those until there's a deal because they want to be able to say, look, we did follow through or we did do something. Uh, there's been a trickle of some things that are coming through, but that's where we hope that we can get to that first stage of that agreement so that some of these sales can start happening. We need it. You know, the ag, uh, the ag sector needs some of this business, and uh, we can't go another year of it, it holding off. That's the, the challenge that we're at to right now for our time frame. Speaking of ag, ag has been the you know, tip of the spear on this. So, um, one, what's your take as, as how these negotiations have been taking place? And two, what's the long-term win for ag out of this? Well, I think long-term, it's going to be real beneficial for us. Uh, as we keep an open market, you get a lot more of this uh, structure of, of openness that we didn't have in China before. So, you know, a year ago, it was decided we're going to really push to try to open this market. So long-term, it'll, uh, it'll be a good deal. Short term, though, it's going to be a step. You know, just because there's a deal doesn't mean that all of a sudden the floodgates open, everything's back to normal. There's going to be some changes. There's going to be some steps. There's going to be some things that China has to follow. Uh, and we may have to do some changes as well, too. That's part of the, the, the details of the deal that we have to get into once uh, that starts to be in public. I mean, how much trepidation, though, do you have? Because the USMCA, we thought, was going to get ratified fairly, I don't want to say easily, but fairly soon. Now you see Democrats holding that up because 2020 is on the horizon. Some might think, hey, that might have been a leverage point for President Trump, knowing that, hey, we can open up Mexico and Canada again. Just um, your take on the USMCA and... Yeah, that, honestly, for us right now, the USMCA is the biggest deal. For the state of North Dakota, it is absolutely a critical thing that we get pushed through. Uh, we've been talking to the delegations. Everyone here in North Dakota from the political side is all for this. We need to get it. It's a good deal. Is it perfect? No. No deal's ever perfect. But we need to get it pushed through. We're confident, though, that really when push comes to shove, all three of us, Mexico, Canada, and the U.S., can't afford not to have a deal. So it's going to have to get through. The question is, is what kind of pain and, and time frame it's going to go uh, because Mexico still hasn't done it. We hope they're going to ratify it here in, the, in uh, the next couple of weeks. I want to get your reaction. We've been talking about uh, policy through tweet. I want to get your reaction to two other tweets. This is from the editor-in-chief of the Global Times in China, state-run media. So basically, it's probably going from President Xi through, through this guy. But here's what he tweeted out yesterday after President Trump's tweet about the tariffs. It says, President Trump threatens China while he seemingly doesn't understand how tariffs work. Not sure whether U.S. public doesn't understand either. China has long ago prepared for the worst. And this is my idea about North Korea. He goes on to say, we won't buy this trick. Moreover, he didn't even scare North Korea. 
Yeah, I think uh, you look at it, that's a total message that comes back to the, not even just Trump, it's to the public, right? They're pushing their, their message to say, look, we're not going to back down on this. It's the part of the negotiation side of, you know, we heard your threat, but we're still going to come and sit around the table and, and talk on it. I don't think there's a, a whole lot to it that I think they all know they need to get there and, and Trump's pushing them to, to see if we can get it done. Any chance this whole thing just falls flat? Uh, like anything, you know, until the, the things on the paper, <laughs> it's it's not done. And, and if anything that, that this weekend shows, that's part, that's true. It could take a long time. We think it'll happen. The question is the time frame. You know, everyone was hopeful here in May we would get it done so that we'd start to see some of that, especially in the egg side. They'd have a little bit more confidence as the, the season grows, the plants start getting in the ground and, and going. Um, it just may be a little longer. So we don't feel it'll totally fall apart. We think it'll it'll still go. You forward. say a little bit longer. Secretary Purdue was in town. He said, hey, Chris, what, you know, the, uh, the market utilization program that we utilized last year for the trade utilization, don't plan on that being available again this year. We had uh, Chairman Peterson on the show. He said, hey, Chris, if you think it's bad now, you ain't seen nothing yet. If these prices don't turn around, yeah, what's it, gonna give? That was that was the point. Last year, that market utilization program, <laughs> that $12 billion, uh, it helped. It helped the ag industry, it really needed it. Um, the question will be is if they don't get a deal done here late in summer, uh, there's gonna be a lot of pressure of what are we gonna do? Because these prices are, are as much on the trade deal, uh, it's as much as the supply issue and some of the imbalances that are out there in the world. So it's gonna be a tough uh, tough go as we go forward, but uh, we think that they're gonna have to come to the table with some help if it goes on for six, eight, nine months longer, if, if that ends up happening. Last reaction to this one, I mean, politics always makes strange bedfellows, right? Check this out. Mm -hmm. Senate uh, Minority Leader Chuck Schumer tweeted out after President Trump's tweet on the tariffs, says, hang tough on China, President. Don't back down. Strength is the only way to win with China. Do you support what Trump is doing and what Senator Schumer says? Yeah, we made this this decision as a country a year ago. Of well, how I don't, we're gonna I don't go know if a lot of farmers would agree with that. Well, but, okay. but, but the decision was made, right right or wrong. The decision was made, and, and this is where we're going. And and people that were close to it, people like ourselves, uh, you know, there was a lot of issues with with China and, and that were structurally impacting businesses. And and we have businesses, we have examples right here uh, in the Valley of North Dakota that uh, that a Chinese company stole technology uh, right out from under them and bankrupted the company. So we we know, you know, right at the horse's mouth that, that China was an issue. We took it on. We said, here's where it's at. You can always debate the, the way we went about it. That's history now, right? That's for the history books. We're where we are now. Uh, we hope that uh, we can go through with it and that uh, the last year is not for naught yeah. and just uh, bent over and, and take it that way. I mean, look, I'm not in the ag industry, so for me, I can say it's been fascinating to watch the art of the deal play out mm -hmm. in practice in front of America. Director Wilson, thank you so much for the time and insight. We appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Speaking of ag tonight in Fargo, you can see here, I took a picture while I was actually at this event, but they did an event to sort of debut. It's called the Grand Farm, the first ever autonomous farm in the entire world is going to take place right here in the Red River Valley. Also earlier today in Grand Forks, there was an event to talk about the first ever in the country beyond line of sight UAS program that we funded through our legislature this year. So uh, a person who was at both of these events was North Dakota Department of Commerce Commissioner Michelle Comer. I sat down with her earlier today to talk about what do these two projects mean? And we are leading the country and the world. What do they mean for our region right here and you at home economically? Commissioner Comer, welcome to Point of View. It's great to have you in great studio. Great to be here. Thank so you. So you are going to be at, actually while this airs, at a grand farm event, the first autonomous farm, potentially 
ever on the planet, yes? That is the idea, yep. We have to say thanks to Barry Batchelor, who you may know, um, the founder of many companies here in North Dakota, who is credited for having the idea of Grand Farm. Um, many months ago, the idea was launched at One Million Cups in Fargo, and then Emerging Prairie through uh, Greg Tavine and Ryan Carroll and a bunch of energetic entrepreneurs took that idea that Barry had and said, this needs to be a reality here in North Dakota by 2025. So paint the picture for me, because what I'm seeing is like drones flying around, planting seeds, harvesting, spraying. Is that an accurate assessment or am I? Not too far off, Chris. You know, I had the honor uh, last weekend of being at the uh, ribbon cutting for the ground that was donated by the Kevin and Stacey Biffert family just south of town. And today it is a black field, beautiful Red River Valley dirt. <laughs> and I was able to see the rendering of what that would look like um, when the farm is built out. And it, and it is cutting edge and there are tractors driving around with no people driving them, at least that we can see. Um, so it's gonna be pretty fantastic. So, <laughs> is it something where for example, a tractor, if you wanted to, like, you know, we have people here in Fargo that are flying drones over in Iraq and Afghanistan where someone could be anywhere in the world maneuvering that tractor to harvest and do the things that they want to do with it? That is my understanding. Gives a whole new meaning to the word snowbird, doesn't it? <laughs> I, you know, in kind of a different conversation because it's such a hot topic now from an immigration standpoint. We had Congressman Armstrong in recently and uh, we talked with Senator Hoven, Senator Kramer, Secretary Purdue. Uh, what could this possibly mean for like H2, you know, seasonal visas and seasonal workers? Yeah, well, you know, I haven't really drawn the connection between the two, but what I am really excited about is the impact that autonomous anything has on the workforce shortage that we have here in North Dakota today. I've had the opportunity to work um, on, on uh, with a bunch of people, with legislators, with professionals, with industry leaders on the workforce challenges that we're facing here in North Dakota. And I think timing is everything. You know, there was a time, we, we've been um, automating work in the United States since the Industrial Revolution. And there have been concerns about how that affects the labor market about since that time as well. Um, but today, with literally more jobs available in our in our state and in the nation than people available to do them, um, the timing is right for autonomy and the timing is right for North Dakota to be a leader. It's just, it's incredible to think about. Anything else you want to say about that? Because I do want to move on to the out of sight UAS thing you were at today too. I just think it's, it, it's a time to be excited for North Dakota. So first possible autonomous farm on the planet here in North Dakota. Also today we had the first uh, only in the America, the out of sight, or am I saying this correctly, out of line of sight UAS program. W what does that mean for a layman like myself? Sure, sure. Well, and I'm learning at a very rapid pace myself, so I was really privileged to be part of the process, this legislative session, where a lot of folks working together, again, legislators, policymakers, the executive branch, um, business leaders, um, were able to successfully secure a $30 million investment, $33 million to be specific, um, in unmanned aerial system development. And so the acronym is BVLOSS. So if you want to be cool, you can use that acronym. <laughs> it's Beyond Vision Line of Sight. And it means what it sounds like, that we're the first place in the nation where we can fly drones without a chase plane, without a chase car, where you um, where you can't see it. And that system is working and in development here today in North Dakota, thanks to the folks up at Grand Sky, um, thanks to the Northern Plains uh, test site in Grand Forks, thanks to the research that's done here in our very state. There's a corridor between Grand Forks and Fargo. Um, and our hope with that investment is to build that network out in North Dakota to have a statewide system, which will make us the first state to say that we have a statewide unmanned aerial system. So what's the utility though? I mean, what does it mean to ag? I've, I think I've heard stories where now they could fly it out to 
check on pipelines? What, yeah. What's the utility? You bet. Great question. You know, what are we buying for that investment? And this morning at the event where we did um, the ceremonial presentation of the signing of that bill, um, Nick Flom, who's the executive director of the Northern Plains Unmanned Test Site, really put it in words better than I can. So I'm going to steal his. And he said, look, you know, imagine after the Watford City tornado, if we had had beyond vision line of sight drones that we could fly over to see what the damage is, to see if there was need for emergency assistance. Imagine um, unmanned aerial system inspecting our pipelines. Imagine unmanned aerial systems inspecting um, crash sites. There are an infinite number of uses for this technology. Um, so we get to develop the technology and then we get to develop even more needs. There are needs that exist today. Um, and you know, to begin to imagine how we could expand the use as part of what we'll be working on here. So is this going to be like commercial? Because then you get into privacy issues too. Is there going to be commercial license for this? Or can I, as a layman, go and utilize this platform as well? or That's a great question, and I think you're probably ahead of me there. Um, what we know is that there are really two factors that we have to consider. There's the technology that needs to be developed, and then there's the regulation that is yet to be developed. And that's part of Got what this it. test site is for, um, working with the FAA to help develop the regulatory environment, which is necessary, to help develop the safety um, you know, designs that are necessary to manage these systems that are flying through our airspace. So that's part of what we get, that's what we get to be a part of. So are we going to have just drones flying everywhere thanks to Amazon and Google and just dropping stuff off? Here Remains around? to be seen. Yeah. Remains to be seen. But we get to be part of developing what that looks like. Speaking of that, one last question, because we had Governor Bergamon on last week, and he said, Chris, what's cool about this is it's almost going to be like a, an iPhone where you're going to be able to have different apps for it and then have different apps that will apply to this sort of technology. Does that mean much? Because I, I was like, oh, that sounds cool. I don't really know what that means. Does that yeah. mean much to you? Or? You know what? Governor Bergman's probably ahead of me on that, and he usually okay. is, which is great. <laughs> we like to have a leader that's ahead of us. But I think that um, the fun of this is trying to imagine the unimaginable. Yeah. That's what we get to do. And we get to lead the way here we in North do. Dakota. We do. It's exciting. Thank you so much for being here. We Thank appreciate you. it.